Chapter Nine of Mr. Waddington of Wick by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Nine, Part One. Sir John Corbett had called in the morning. He had exerted himself to that extent out of friendship, pure friendship for Waddington, and he had chosen an early hour for his visit to mark it as a serious and extraordinary occasion he sat now in the brown leather armchair which was twin to the one mr waddington had sat in when he had his portrait painted his jolly rosy face was subdued to something serious and extraordinary he had come to warn mr waddington that scandal was beginning to attach itself to his acquaintance he was going to say relations but remembered just in time that relations was a question-begging word to his acquaintance with a certain lady to which mr waddington replied haughtily that he had a perfect right to choose his uh, acquaintance his acquaintance was preeminently his own affair quite so my dear fellow quite so but strictly between ourselves is it a good thing to choose acquaintances of the sort that give rise to scandal as a man of the world now between ourselves doesn't it strike you that the lady in question may be that sort it does not strike me said mr waddington and i see no reason why it should strike you i don't like the look of her said sir john quoting major markham if you're trying to suggest that she's not straight you're reading something into her look that isn't there oh come waddington you know as well as i do that when a man's knocked about the world like you and me he gets an instinct he can tell pretty well by looking at her whether a woman's that sort or not my dear corbett my instinct is at least as good as yours i've known mrs levitt for three years and i can assure you she's as straight as innocent as your wife or mine clever clever and a bit unscrupulous again sir john quoted major markham a woman like that can get round simple fellows like you and me waddington in no time if she gives her mind to it that's why i won't have anything to do with her she may be as straight and innocent as you please but somehow or other she's causing a great deal of unpleasant talk and if i were you i'd drop her drop her i shall do nothing of the sort my dear fellow that's all very well but when everybody knows your wife hasn't called on her there was no need for fanny to call on her my relations with mrs levitt were on a purely business footing well i'd leave them there and not too much footing either but what can i do here she is a war widow with nobody but me to look after her interests she's got into the way of coming to me and i'm not going back on the poor woman corbett because of your absurd insinuations not my insinuations anybody's insinuations then nobody has a right to insinuate anything about me as for fanny she'll make a point of calling on her now we were talking about it not long ago a bit hard on mrs waddington to be let in for that he needn't worry fanny can afford to do pretty well what she likes he had him there sir john knew that this was true of fanny waddington as it was not true of lady corbett he could remember the time when nobody called on his father and mother and lady corbett could not yet afford to call on mrs levitt before anybody else did well he said so long as mrs levitt doesn't expect my wife to follow suit mrs levitt's experience can't have led her to expect much in the way of kindness here well don't be too kind you don't know how you may be landed you don't know said sir john fatally what ideas you may have put into the poor woman's head 
i should be very sorry said mr waddington if i thought for one moment i had roused any warmer feelings but he wasn't sorry he tried hard to make his face express a chivalrous regret and it wouldn't it was positively smiling so agreeable was the idea conveyed by sir john he turned it over and over drawing out its delicious flavour while sir john's little laughing eyes observed his enjoyment you don't know he said what you may have roused there was something very irritating in his fat chuckle you needn't disturb yourself these things will happen a woman may be carried away by her feelings but if a man has any tact and any delicacy he can always show her very well without breaking off all relations that would be clumsy of course if you want to keep up with her keep up with her only take care you don't get landed that's all you may be quite sure that for the lady's own sake i shall take care they rose mr waddington stood looking down at sir john in his little round stomach and his little round eyes with their obscene twinkle and for the life of him he couldn't feel the indignation he would like to have felt as his eyes encountered sir john's something secret and primitive in mr waddington responded to that obscene twinkle something reminiscent and anticipating something mischievous and subtle and delightful subversive of dignity it came up in his solemn face and simmered there here was corbett a thorough-paced man of the world and he took it for granted that mrs levitt's feelings had been roused he acknowledged handsomely as male to male the fascination that had aroused them he corbett knew what he was talking about he saw the whole possibility of romantic adventure with such flattering certitude that it was impossible to feel any resentment at the same time his interference was a piece of abominable impertinence and mr waddington resented that it made him more than ever determined to pursue his relations with mrs levitt just to show he wasn't going to be dictated to while the very fact that corbett saw him as a figure of romantic adventure intensified the excitement of the pursuit and though elise seen with certainty in the light of corbett's intimations was not quite so enthralling to the fancy as the elise of his doubt she made a more positive and formidable appeal to his desire he loved his desire because it made him feel young and loving it he thought he loved elise and what corbett was thinking markham and thurston and hawtrey and young hawtrey and granger would be thinking too they would all see him as the still young romantic adventurer the inspirer of passion and bevan but no he didn't want bevan to see him like that or rather he did and yet again he didn't he had scruples when it came to bevan because of fanny and because of fanny while he rioted in visions of the possible he dreaded more than anything an actual detection the raking eyes and furtive tongues of the townspeople if fanny called on mrs levitt it would stop all the talking that was how fanny came to know mrs levitt and how mrs levitt and toby came to be asked to the september garden party at lower wick manor part two mrs levitt of the white house wick on the hill gloucestershire she thought it sounded very well she had been out that is to say she had judged it more becoming to her dignity not to be at home when fanny called and fanny had been actually out when mrs levitt called so that they met for the first time at the garden party it's absurd our not knowing each other fanny said when my husband knows you so well i've always felt mrs waddington that i ought to know you if it's only to tell you how good he's been to me but of course you know it oh, i know it quite well he's always being good to people he likes it 
you must take off some of the credit for that she thought she has really very beautiful eyes a lot of credit would have to be taken off for her eyes too but isn't that said mrs levitt what being good is to like being it only i suppose that's just what lays him open she lowered the eyes whose brilliance had blazed a moment ago on fanny she toyed with her handbag smiling a little secret roguish smile that lays him open mrs levitt looked up smiling to the attacks of unscrupulous people like me it was risky but it showed a masterly boldness and presence of mind it was as if she and fanny waddington had had their eyes fixed on a live scorpion approaching them over the lawn and mrs levitt had stooped down and grasped it by its tail and tossed it into the lavender bushes as if mrs levitt had said my dear mrs waddington we both know that this horrible creature exists but we aren't going to let it sting us as if she knew why fanny had called on her and was grateful to her perhaps if mrs levitt had never appeared at that garden party or if having appeared she had never been introduced at their own request to major markham mr thurston mr hawtrey and young hawtrey and sir john corbett mr waddington might never have realized the full extent of her fascination she had made herself the centre of the party by her sheer power to seize attention and to hold it you couldn't help looking at her again and again where she sat in a clearing of the lawn playing the clever pointed play of her black and white black satin frock black satin cloak lined with white silk furred with ermine white stockings and long white gloves the close black satin hat clipping her head the vivid contrast and stress repeated in white skin black hair black eyes black eyes and fine mouth and white teeth making a charming and perpetual movement she had been talking to major markham for the last ten minutes displaying herself as the absurdly youthful mother of a grown-up son toby levitt a tall and slender likeness of his mother was playing tennis with distinction ignoring young horace his partner standing well up to the net and repeating the alternate smashing and sliding strokes that kept ralph and barbara bounding from one end of the court to the other mrs levitt was trying to reconcile the proficiency of toby's play with his immunity from conscription in the late war the war led straight to major markham's battery and major markham's battery to the battery once commanded by toby's father which led to Pune and the great discovery you don't mean frank levitt captain in the gunners i do was he by any chance stationed at Pune in nineteen ten eleven he was but bless my soul he was my brother-in-law dick dick benham's best friend the major's slightly ironical homage had given place to a serious excitement a respectful interest oh dicky benham is he rather i've heard him talk about frank levitt scores of times do you hear that waddington mrs levitt knows all my sister's people why on earth haven't we met before mr waddington writhed while between them they reeled off a long series of names people and places each a link joining up major markham and mrs levitt the major was so excited about it that he went round the garden telling thurston and hawtrey and corbett so that presently all these gentlemen formed round mrs levitt an interested and animated group mr waddington hovered miserably on the edge of it short of thrusting markham aside with his elbow markham for choice he couldn't have broken through he would give it up and go away and be drawn back again and again but though mrs levitt could see him plainly no summons from her beautiful eyes invited his approach 
his behaviour became noticeable it was observed chiefly by his son horry horry took barbara apart i say have you seen my governor no what where she could see by his face that he was drawing her into some iniquitous secret by-path of diversion there just behind you turn round this way but don't look as if you'd spotted him did you ever see anything like him he's like a newfoundland dog trying to look over a gate it wouldn't be half so funny if he wasn't so dignified all the time she didn't approve of horry he wasn't decent but the dignity it was wonderful horry went on what on earth did the mater ask that woman for she might have known he'd make a fool of himself oh horry you mustn't it's awful of you you really are a little beast i'm not fancy doing it at his own garden party he never thinks of us look at the dear little mater there pretending she doesn't see him that's what makes me mad barbara well you ought to pretend you don't see it too i've been pretending the whole blessed afternoon but it's no good pretending with you you jolly well see everything why don't go and draw other people's attention to it oh come how about ralph you know you wouldn't let him miss him ralph oh ralph's different i shouldn't point him out to lady corbett no more should i you're different too you and ralph and me are the only people capable of appreciating him though i wouldn't swear that the mater doesn't sometimes yes but you go too far horry you're cruel to him and we're not it's all very well for you he isn't your father oh lord he's craning his neck over markham's shoulder now what his face must look like from the other side if you found your father drunk under a lilac bush i believe you'd go and fetch me to look at him i would if he was as funny as he is now but i say you know i can't have him going on like that i've got to stop it somehow what would you do if you were me do i think i should ask him to go and take lady corbett in to tea good horry strode up to his father i say pater aren't you going to take lady corbett in to tea at the sheer sound of his son's voice mr waddington's dignity stood firm but he went off to find lady corbett all the same when it was all over the garden party was pronounced a great success and mr waddington was very agreeably rallied on his discovery taxed with trying to keep it to himself and warned that he wasn't going to have it all his own way it's our turn now said major markham to have a look in and their turn was constantly coming round again they were always looking in at the white house first major markham called then sir john corbett of underwoods mr thurston of the elms and mr hawtrey of medlicott called and brought their wives these ladies however didn't like mrs levitt and they were not at home when she returned their calls mrs levitt's visiting card had its place in three collections and there the matter ended but mr thurston and mr hawtrey continued to call with the delightful sense of doing something that their wives considered improper major markham as a bachelor his movements were more untrammelled declared it his ambition to cut waddy out he was everlastingly calling at the white house his fastidious correctness the correctness that hadn't liked the look of her excused this intensive culture of mrs levitt on the grounds that she was well connected she knew all his sister's people and mrs levitt took good care to let mr waddington know of these visits and of her little bridge parties in the evening just mr thurston and mr hawtrey and major markham and me he was teased and worried by his visions of elise perpetually surrounded by thurston and hawtrey and the major supposing 
only supposing that driven by despair of course she married that fellow markham for the first time in his life mr waddington experienced jealousy elise had ceased to be the subject of dreamy doubtful speculation and had become the object of an uneasy passion he could give her passion if it was passion that she wanted but because of fanny he could not give her a position in the county and it was just possible that elise might prefer a position and elise was happy happy in her communion with mr thurston and mr hawtrey and in the thought that their wives detested her happy in her increasing intimacy with major markham and in her consciousness of being well connected above all happy in mr waddington's uneasiness meanwhile fanny waddington kept on calling if i don't she said the poor woman will be done for she couldn't see any harm in mrs levitt part three barbara and ralph bevan had been for one of their long walks they were coming back down the park when they met first henry the gardener's boy carrying a basket of fat golden pears where are you going with those lovely pears henry mrs levitt's miss the boy grinned and twinkled you can almost have fancied that he knew farther on near the white gate they could see mr waddington and two ladies he had evidently gone out to open the gate and was walking on with them unable to tear himself away the ladies were mrs rickards and mrs levitt they stopped you could see the flutter of their hands and faces suggesting a final triangular exchange of playfulness then mr waddington executing a complicated movement of farewell a bow and a half turn a gambling skip the gesture of his ungovernable youth then as he went from them the abandonment of mrs rickards and mrs levitt to disgraceful laughter mrs levitt clutched her sister's arm and clung to it almost perceptibly reeling as if she said hold me up or i shall collapse it's too much too 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 much they came on with a peculiar rolling helpless walk rocked by the intolerable explosions of their mirth dabbing their mouths and eyes with their pocket handkerchiefs in a tortured struggle for control they recovered sufficiently to pass ralph and barbara with serious sidelong bows and then there was a sound a thin wheezing soaring yet stifled sound the cry of a conquered hysteria did you see that ralph i did i heard it he couldn't could he oh lord no they appreciate him too barbara that isn't the way she said we don't want him appreciated that way that rich gross way no it isn't nearly subtle enough any fool could see that his caracoling was funny they don't know him as we know him they don't know what he really is it was an outrage it's like taking a fine thing and vulgarizing it they'd no business and it was cruel too to laugh at him like that before his back was turned when they're going to eat his pears too the fact is barbara nobody does appreciate him as you and i do hoary no not hoary he goes too far hoary's indecent fanny perhaps sometimes fanny doesn't see one half of him she doesn't see his mrs levitt's side have you seen it barbara of course i have well you never told me it isn't fair to go discovering things on your own and not telling me we must make a compact to tell each other the very instant we see a thing we might keep count and give points to which of us sees most mrs levitt ought to have been a hundred to your score i'm afraid i can't score with mrs levitt you saw that too it'll be a game for the gods barbara but ralph there might be things we couldn't tell each other it mightn't be fair to him 
telling each other isn't like telling other people hang it all if we're making a study of him we're making a study science is science we've no right to suppress anything at any moment one of us might see something absolutely vital whatever we do we mustn't be unfair to him but he's ours isn't he we can't be unfair to him and we've got to be fair to each other think of the frightful advantage you might have over me you're bound to see more things than i do i might see more but you'll understand more well then you can't do it without me it's a compact isn't it that we don't keep things back as for mrs levitt's handling of their theme they resented it as an abominable profanation you think he's in love with her barbara said what he would call being in love and we shouldn't do you think he's like that he's always been like that i think he was probably like that when he was young before he married fanny before he married fanny and after after i should imagine he went pretty straight it was only the way he had when he was young now he's middle-aged he's gone back to it just to prove to himself that he's young still i take it the poor old thing got scared when he found himself past fifty and he had to start a proof it's his egoism all over again i don't suppose he really cares a rap for mrs levitt you don't think his heart beats faster when he sees her coming i don't horatio's heart beats faster when he sees himself making love to her i see it's just middle age just middle age don't you think perhaps fanny does see it no not that not that at least i hope not End of chapter 9. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.